Morning, Four Oaks. It is Pastor Paul looking out the window here on this Thursday morning, February, what is this, 18th? If you're a Harry Potter fan, you'll appreciate this. It looks like the Dementors have descended upon us. But nonetheless, we are soldiering on with the light of God's word. We are in Exodus chapter 12. Now, one of the things that Jesus tells us um, in the New Testament is that all of God's word is moving in a particular direction. It's moving in the arc of God's redemption of his people and the restoration of his kingdom on earth. And this happens, of course, with his son, Jesus Christ, as the central focus point, which means that we should really be able to go back to the Old Testament and read any part of the Old Testament through the lens of this redemptive history, through the lens of the ultimate fulfillment we have in God's plan in the person of Jesus Christ. And so that's um, pertinent because this morning, I think we're going to really see in the Old Testament the glorious gospel of God on display in this 10th and most deadly plague, okay? And so we're going to read from Exodus 12, 29 through the end of the chapter, and we'll unpack this together and see how this points us to the glorious gospel and the grace of God. All right, so here we go, Exodus 12, beginning at verse 29. Now at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up! Go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord, as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have what they asked, and thus they plundered the Egyptians. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and, a very, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt, it was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. Lord, open our eyes to the fact that from the very dawn of history, um, it's only been by your grace that we have come to know you, to worship you, 
to commune with you. And so, Lord, give us a deeper, uh, more majestic appreciation of that today as we peer into your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The tenth and final plague. This is the, the battlefield, so to speak, in which God is earnest to show his glory, his might, his power over the ineptitude of the gods of Egypt. And for nine plagues, Pharaoh has hardened his heart. But here on this tenth plague, um, this is the coup de grace. This is the, the last nail in the coffin. Um, God leaves no doubt. He strikes down all the firstborn of the Egyptians. He, he, this goes from humans to cattle to animals. Um, he has struck down all of them while at the same time uh, passing over the Israelites um, because of the blood sacrifice that was made by each of the Israelite households. And, and here um, we do see, right, um, the gospel in motion because this is what everyone deserves. Everyone deserves, even, even the Israelites, the just judgment of God. And what God is um, bringing upon the Egyptians is entirely deserved, okay? It's not the slaughter of innocence. It is not uh, a capricious, angry God who's arbitrarily bringing judgment. It is a right judgment. The question is not why did God take out the firstborn, okay, of, of Egypt. It's why didn't he take out everybody? And on the, by the same token, um, God has passed over the Israelites. His judgment is passed over. And in fact, he has shown grace to them by the sacrifice of this lamb. Now, obviously, um, it doesn't take a big stretch to see how this really sets the arc for the whole sacrificial system and what happens to us in the ultimate fulfillment of Christ, right? That we all deserve judgment, that God is judging those um, rightly any and all that he judges. And at the same time, because not because of us, but because of his grace, he's passing over by the blood, us and our sins by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we see in this first little portion. Now, it's not that we just, though, see grace, okay, given to the Israelites who didn't deserve it. And we call this, um, in New Testament theology, justification. God declared them righteous. God gave them grace. But we also see the theme of mercy and adoption. Um, in other words, it's not just that God saved his people, right? It's not like just God, um, you know, it's like you survive a tornado, right? And, and you're just sort of, you, you know, you know, you survive it, it kills everybody around you, but everything you have is gone, is desolated, right? You have to rebuild. Um, insurance in that way just kind of gets you back to the, back to the starting line, so to speak. But that's not the way God's grace works. God doesn't just get us back to zero and by which point in time we, you know, start to accumulate debt again, and then God has to forgive us. God actually doesn't just give us grace. He gives us mercy. He gives us things we don't deserve. He shows kindness with us. He, he brings us into his family. He adopts us as his sons and daughters. And this is really what we see here. Not only are the Israelites passed over, okay, and, and not given judgment, they're given grace, 
but God is incredibly merciful to them. So, so look back at the text. It, it says that they plundered the Egyptians, which means that, that God gave them favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. The Egyptians gave them all this provision and jewels and jewelry, and this was going to be super helpful, right, on their journey, uh, not the least of which comes into play when they donate many of these items and give them as a gift offering to the Lord to the building of his of his tabernacle, right? Um, not only does God, though, deliver them, get pl they plunder the Egyptians, they take all their livestock, they take their herds, okay? They, um, they, God brings them out of the land of Egypt. And we see very clearly in verse 42, it was the night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generation. So in other words, God wasn't just taking them out of a terrible place, Egypt. He was going to be bringing them to the promised land. And so, so we have to always remember this, that, that the gospel is not just the forgiveness of sins. It's not just the pardon for sins although in the acquittal of percents, although it is all that, it is also an elevation from our former status, okay? In other words, God doesn't just spare the Israelites in order to let them continue to labor as slaves in Egypt. He actually elevates them to a new status as his people, consecrated, set apart, being brought to the promised land. And in the same way, we have all the full blessings of Christ. Um, and so we see... We see the gospel in this portion of the chapter. Now, one portion we didn't read and we're going to read now. We also see the gospel in the offer of these blessings to people outside the nation of Israel. Okay, so this is important. Look at verse 43 in chapter 12. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is brought for money, bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised them. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and one for the stranger who sojourns among you. And all the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Egypt out of the land of Egypt by their host. So it would be very easy to, to see, to think that God is just a provincial God, that he's just the God of the Israelites, or that he's just the God of the Jewish people, or one particular nation or ethnicity. And while God does begin with the Israelites as sort of a beachhead, this beachhead was always meant to spread and bless um, and, and show redemptive favor to everyone on the earth. So in other words, it's not as if, hey, I'm not born into the people of Israel, I'm my goose is cooked, or I'm not in the church, and I'm not a Christian, and the Christian community is forever closed to me. They're the ones, they're the special folks who receive mercy and grace, but that's not for the rest of us, and nothing could be further from the truth, right? So here it makes provision for this idea that if there's a sojourner, a stranger, a foreigner, someone who moves into the territory, someone 
who becomes an acquaintance with someone who's um, Jewish, there's a family member, what have you, um, God says, no, they may not participate in the Passover. They may not be a part of these covenantal blessings. However, um, there is the opportunity to, to, to be so by becoming, in a sense, a Jew, by being circumcised, by observing the, 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 the commandments, by coming into the community of faith. And this is what we see is an open invitation, okay, to, to any who would want to, to be a part of the family of God. Obviously, we can see the parallels, right? That the church is meant to be on mission. And this gospel, while it is amazingly gracious, it's amazingly glorious, it is also amazingly um, other-focused. And we should be in the posture continually right, of offering out this gospel, offering out this good news, inviting people to see and taste that the Lord is good, to, to, to rest upon his grace, to, to experience for maybe for the first time his mercy. And so here, just in Exodus 12, we see this gospel pattern, right? Judgment, grace, mercy and adoption, and then the offer of the gospel for whomever would believe and would trust. And just want to encourage you in this, Four Oaks, that that God's word, uh, when read through um, the redemptive lens of Jesus Christ and what God is doing uh, from the first pages of Scripture to the last, opens up such a vista of opportunities. You often hear me joke about um, how one day we'll preach through the book of Leviticus, but actually it's not a joke. Actually, gospel is all over Leviticus. Jesus is all over Leviticus. And when we're done with Exodus, who knows, maybe... Maybe um, one day we'll we'll pivot to Leviticus and just keep on walking through the Pentateuch in these morning devotionals. Who who knows? But we got a ways to go in Exodus right now, right? So so be encouraged. Read your Bible, and when you read it through the lens of the Gospel and Jesus, what might be arcane, obscure Bible stories or details come alive, right? And we see God's gracious Gospel present in every page of scripture. Okay, that's it for this Thursday morning. We'll be back same time, same station tomorrow morning, Friday. I hope you will join us then. Let me pray. Lord, go before us today. Help us to see your redemptive hand and work, your gracious gospel um, on the move in everything uh, from the first pages of scripture to even now. And so Lord, we, we pray that you would go with us as we go forth from here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks everybody. See you tomorrow.